0: Lee Horton.
1: Hey, it's Lee. Welcome to Business Problem Solve. I've been following um, this, this person, not in a stalkerish type of way, on, uh, on LinkedIn for, for a good number of uh, years now. So it's with great pleasure that uh, the next interview is with a young gentleman called James. Hello there, James. You
2: all right, man? How's it going? Yeah, very good, thank you. How are you? I'm doing all right. It's always weird with these podcast things, isn't it? Because you do that talk beforehand where you ask each other, how, how are you? You Have that conversation. Yep. Then the moment you go live, you you ask again because you feel like you have to. I don't really care. You just told me. I don't. I'm sure nothing's changed.
1: Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. In that in that last thirty seconds, I am still exactly the same as I was as uh, as, as thirty seconds ago. Awesome. Um, so, so yeah, very good, very good. Loving the merchandise, by the way. Thank you very much, man. Got CXrockstore.com. Buy me oh. some things. Look at you plug. you plug plugging early, aren't you? Plugging early. Um, so so for those people that don't know who you are, um, kind of like blind date this right what's your name? Where'd you
2: come from? So and who, who is James? So my name is James Dudkins. I am known as a customer experience rock star. Reason for that is I used to be an actual real life legitimate award winning rock star, but now I'm not. Now I'm a customer experience. It's kind of the same, but people don't buy you beer as often. So yeah, that's that's kind of what I do. I talk to people about customer experience. I'm super lucky that I get to travel around the world, talk to people about two subjects I love, rock yep. music and customer experience, and yeah, sort of try and inspire them to become rock stars themselves. Brilliant. So do you have more groupies now or previous? I have less groupies now.
1: Do you? Yeah. Do you? Oh, I, I'm, I'm sorry. That's, um, that's okay. So, I, why did you decide to de, to uh, to to join both the uh, the CX stuff and the Rockstar stuff together to uh, to to define who you are
2: today? Well, I mean, to answer that, maybe maybe I'll tell you my my origin story. All right. Oh yeah, yeah. Go for it. Go for it. So, playing in the band, played guitar in a heavy metal band, toured the world, released albums, had a video on TV. Admittedly, it was an obscure heavy metal channel, but whatever. You ain't got a video yeah. on so, TV. Yeah, correct. <laughs> so did that. That came to an end. So I did the next logical thing that you would do after being an international rock star. I went and worked for an insurance company. Wow. So I was like, well, what else are you going to do after that? So it was basically, it was just the biggest company closest to my house. I was there selling insurance on the phone to little old ladies. After a couple of days, I'm like, yeah, you know what? don't see myself doing this for the rest of my life and figured maybe I should put in a little bit of effort and try and, you know, progress through the company. Now I kind of got lucky because the company grew really quick. So I worked my way up the ladder, was convinced I was going to be CEO one day and then I got made redundant. And I was like, Oh crap. What do we do now? Yeah. So I sat there and I thought, I was like, right, we had loads of really, really crappy, expensive consultants come through Maybe I could be a crappy, expensive consultant. So I did that, became a consultant, started doing that. Um, actually got to work with some some of the world's most iconic brands, people like Disney, people like Nike, Adobe, Mercedes, Lego, some like some real top guys. The problem was I was miserable. The reason I was miserable is because I'd created this corporate persona for myself. Like anything I ever learned about the business world, I learned in the music world yeah. and on TV. So I was like, well, okay i'll take the music world stuff didn't work so i'm gonna take this tv stuff i've learned suit and tie briefcase that sort of thing I, th- I thought that's the way you had to be in business so i'd created this corporate persona and the problem was it worked it worked pretty well when I, mean, I was doing fine off of it um but it got to the point where i was i was just miserable i wasn't being myself i couldn't i didn't feel i could be myself around anybody i never used to tell anybody that i used to play in a band I never used to tell anyone and of course you'd get people coming to me did you, did you i know this is weird but did you used to you used to play guitar, and I'd be like, shut up, man. Yeah. Pay them off, swear them to secrecy. But, <laughs> and the thing is, so that was happening. And yeah. the customer experience sort of expert, expert world was getting saturated by more and more people popping up every day. I'm a customer experience expert. I'm a customer experience specialist. I'm a customer experience guru. Just all these people. And it was getting harder and harder to stand out from the crowd. And so, with all of this swirling around in my head, finally I heard a quote from a guy called Jerry Garcia from the Grateful, Grateful Dead. You heard of him? No, I've not. No. Well, he, he, should, should I have done? Yeah, I don't know really. But anyway, he's called Jerry Garcia yep. from the Grateful Dead. And the quote okay. is, and it, this was life changing for me you shouldn't be trying to be the best in the world at what you do. You should be trying to be the only person in the world that does what you do. And I was like, ah, oh, okay. Hey, I love that. Yeah. So I sat back and I thought, look, the only two things I've ever been good at in my entire life were being a rock star and doing customer experience stuff. Why not put it together and see what happens? And the, the crazy thing is, I went to my wife, who was like two months pregnant at the time. I said, "I got this idea." She went, "What?" So well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna change, change the business completely. She's like, "Ooh, sounds exciting." I was like, "Do you want to know my plan?" She's like, "Yeah, I want to know your plan." I said, "I'm just gonna be myself." And she was like, "Eh." Uh- I, mean, I don't really like you being yourself around the house. I don't think I don't think people are going to pay you for that. I was like, "No, it'll be fine." She's like, "Okay, go for it." So I did um rebranded the company as Rockstar CX. We help companies deliver a Rockstar customer experience. It's a very descriptive name. And I re- rebranded myself as the Customer Experience Rockstar, wrote some books, yeah. got a show on Amazon Prime, wrote a keynote, which is a music um, related customer experience keynote, the world's and only Musical customer experience keynote. Get to travel all around the world and do that, in which I play guitar, play guitar in the talk. Um, Brilliant. Yeah, and that's that's basically what's got me to here today. So being you's uh, worked. Yeah, man. Who would have thought?
1: Yeah. What, what did what did your wife say when it actually started to work and you being you was, was turned out to be really successful? I knew it would work all along. Oh yeah. Yeah. So when you said you were a consultant earlier on, was it was it customer experience you were consulting in, or was it a different type of consultancy, and then you flipped to
2: CX? What was the? It's it's a good question actually, because it was always customer experience, but it was kind of under the veil of process to start with. So I started out in the process world, and what was happening was I was going to process guys saying, "Hey, process guys, you need to align." your processes towards the delivery of customer success. You need to think about the customers. And they were like, no, we don't want to. We don't want to keep doing things the old way. And then of course you get talking to more customer experience people. And you're like, Hey, customer experience guys, you got to think about your customers. And they're like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, Oh, a bit of an easy easier sell so always customer experience it was just to start with it was focused on process guys but it just turned into the space where customer experience is quite a new discipline as disciplines go um so as more and more people started to get titles of customer experience managers and heads of customer experience there was just a growing base of people that i'm like well you know what i'm talking about customer experience to these guys i might as well talk about it to you that actually care about it so yeah Completely. So, what, what is customer experience to you? Because I've I've heard different people
1: describe it in different ways. So, what does it mean to a CX rockstar? Well, dude, what what does customer experience mean to you? If you had to give a dictionary definition of what a customer experience is, what would you say? Okay. So, dictionary definition. So, I'm I'm from Chorley, in Northwest uh, England. So, dic- I've never read a dictionary. Um, dictionary definition of uh, customer experience to me would be what customers uh, the. The feelings and emotions that customers attach to um, to an, a touch point of a journey or something along those lines. I mean, that's that's pretty much
2: the traditional. So the traditional definition is something along the lines of the the summation of the feelings, the memories, the um, thoughts, and the interactions a customer has with a company. That's, that's the traditional definition. Now, the stupid thing is... of customer experience professionals will tell you something along that lines. It's actually wrong. That's not what a customer experience is. A customer experience is the sum of the interactions, the thoughts, the memories, the feelings that they experience along the journey towards achieving a particular goal. Now, there's a subtle difference there. Along the journey towards achieving a particular goal, they may interact with your company, but chances are they're going to interact with other companies too. There's a lot more to a customer experience than just the interaction with you. It's actually a very company-centric way to think about customer experience. It's actually not a very customer-centric way to think about it at all. So when you're looking at customer experience, you need to understand there's a lot more going on than just their interactions with you. If you only think that their world revolves around you, then you're starting from a really bad place, man. Now, within your organization, yes, chances are you've only got control over your interactions, but it doesn't mean those other things aren't happening. It doesn't; yeah. mean those other things can't be looked at. It doesn't mean they can't be influenced. So, a customer experience is a lot more than just interactions with one company. Okay,
1: no, that, that makes sense, and, and it make, it makes perfect sense. Now you've articulated it in that way. So, if you were to work with an organization that viewed it the way that the definition that I get, what would you? How would you? How would you engage and work with an organization? So, what what is it that you do with organizations? Well, the, the
2: way I work with organizations now, it's kind of four ways, really. So I either work, work with conference organizers that book me to speak at their event, or I work yeah. with private companies that book me to speak at their private events. Um, I deliver training to people. So I'll go into a company and I'll train a group of people, or I'll put on private um, open sessions where anybody can come. Um, or I'm doing a lot of CX influencer work at the moment. Because I've in doing what I'm I've doing, I've, I've managed to amass quite a following in the customer experience yeah. world. So sort of helping companies get their message out to a customer experience base that maybe they don't have access to. So they're the kind of things that I'm doing at the moment. Fantastic. And earlier on when you were
1: introduced you said you mentioned about Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. And you, had, you have a show on that. What What is that? So
2: it is a show called This Week in CX. During the show, I talk about the things that have happened in the past week in customer experience. It's very, again, a very descriptive name but it's kind of like you know the late night american shows like the john olivers and the trevor Noah's. it's in that format you're not going to learn very much it's basically me just taking the piss out of things that have happened great fun for me um it is amazon prime's most watched and highest rated uh show solely dedicated to customer experience in the last week or in in total
1: just in total hey very good that's well exciting so full full uh... disclosure it, it is the only one you don't. You don't need that. Yeah. You don't, no, seriously, if you
2: look, literally, you could do it right now if you want. If you typed "customer experience" into Amazon Prime, you would get my show this week in CX and Secret Diary of a Call Girl. Oh wow! No word
1: for lime. Wow, well, wow, that's amazing. That, that that is amazing. Um, I, I think I will. I, if my internet uh, signal was uh, was any stronger, I would do that test now. But I, I'll wait till we uh, well, we hang up now. Which one you're gonna learn most about customer experience from? Probably the other thing, actually. I'll let you know. Right, I'll nice. let you know. Uh, feedback to you, Cheers. no, brilliant. So, uh, how did that come about? How did you? How did you decide to do that? And then, and then, how, how was that agreed? And how, how do you get an Amazon Prime
2: TV show? Well, it's um, is there's, there's a bit of a process you got to go through. Well, I was doing it just putting it out on YouTube, putting it out on LinkedIn for a while before yeah. the Amazon thing happened. Um and. Look, the, the Amazon thing is nice and it's impressive. People, like you say, oh, I've got a show on Amazon Prime and people Google it and they go, oh my God. That's so, and you get an IMDB page and people go, oh my God, you're so cool. Mate, I make literally zero money off of it whatsoever. Yeah. I get 16p for every hour that's watched and they're like 10-minute episodes. So like, I mean, you do the maths, man. It's, it's more for a profile thing more than it is anything else um but yeah i was i was doing the episodes for a little while I've, since the beginning of the year i started doing them we're on a little break at the moment they'll come back a little bit later there are plans plans in in the foot underfoot Exit. in the fire what's the there are plans yeah you've got plans there are there there is plans I've yeah plans. that's good <laughs> that that works but yeah what it what it was the way it came about was quite weird actually so i'd figured out my video strategy for 2019 and it was going to be long form quite content rich and then literally the night before it the next day it was supposed to go live he yeah. told me something about some guy that died actually it's not some guy that died that's really disrespectful of me it was it was the ceo of um, um southwest airlines so like in the customer experience world like a god basically so not yeah guy at all. but he told me he died i was like when is like last tuesday i was like what how did i not even know about that and i realized there wasn't any like news shows around customer experience there may be news sites and if you like reading okay that's fine but if you don't like reading like me i don't like reading um there's no sort of video format to get that and it got me to thinking hang on a second there, there probably should be yeah um, and at that moment, I was like, right, i gonna scrap everything else I've done. The next day, I wrote, recorded, edited, did everything, 19 hours solid to make this like seven minute episode oh. <laughs> <laughs> talking about what had happened in the week before. It's crap. <laughs> first episode's awful, but it got a really good response. People were like, you know, oh, this is a wicked format. So glad somebody's doing this. Blah, 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 blah. I was like, no, oh, okay. I got something. Carried on doing it. Um, so yeah, they're um you're not gonna learn anything particularly. they're just a bit funny, yeah, no good, good um so this prob-
1: this podcast is called business problem solved um what is the biggest problem that you think needs
2: solving in uh, in business today? um people should stop asking customers what they want. oh okay, God, well, what should they do? They should understand their customers to such a deep level that they know what their customers need, even when their customers don't need it for themselves know it for and- themselves so basically, you've got kids I, I do yeah. How old, yeah. four and six. Right, you ask your six-year-old. Actually, both of them. You ask your four and six-year-old. What do you want to eat for dinner? What are they going to say?
1: Yeah, um, cake or sweets
2: or um, McDonald's. Yeah. So you got cakes, sweets, burgers, cookies, yeah. gummy bears, all on top of a pizza. Yeah. All inside of a burger, probably. And you realise, am I going to give my kids this diabetes pizza? No, nah, probably not. I'm not going to do that. But the reason you figure that that's probably not the best thing to do is you understand what their successful outcome is. So again, just paraphrasing like your kid's successful outcome when it comes to food and health is, you know, to grow up healthily. So you understand the thing that they say that they want isn't going to help them achieve that successful outcome. Now they might not necessarily understand what that successful outcome is. That's fine. But you do. Yeah. Yeah. What you do is you realize, okay, in order for them to achieve that successful outcome, what they need is very, very different to what they say that they want. Yeah, We need to take this approach in business. You go and ask customers what they want. Unfortunately, they'll tell you. And then yeah. an expectation set that you're going to give it. You need to understand what your customer's successful outcomes are and then realize, okay, what are their real needs? Best example of this comes from Disney. So they, they don't do things like customer feedback surveys and... Uh, those sorts of things, the way they understand their customers is they just listen to the questions that gets, get asked. And they do surveys and they, they put together um, their little sort of charts, their little hierarchical charts of the questions that get asked most often. So can you guess what the number one most commonly asked question was? This is back in 2010 now, so it's an old one, in all of their theme parks. Number one most commonly asked question. You just get in there, you've had a long journey, you've got your kids with you, first person you see, you ask... Where's the toilet? Ding, 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 ding. Hey, Sound effects as well. Yeah, man. That's professional. Yeah, this is is good, yeah. There you go. You know it. So, funnily enough, they put toilets quite close to the entrance. Clever. Now, unless you've heard me talk about this before or read one of my books or something, you won't know number two. But have a guess anyway, because it's fun to watch people struggle. What do you think the second most commonly asked question was?
1: Second most commonly asked question, um, I would say is... Shortest queue, what time do you close? Shortest queue time or something functional?
2: You know what? You're getting close with time. The actual second most commonly asked question is, what time is the three o'clock parade? (laughs) Amazing. Yeah. So I'm I'm going to say that again, but slower for people that might have missed it. Yeah. (laughs) What time is the three o'clock parade? Okay. Now, The answer isn't. Do you think it's three o'clock? It's in the name. That isn't. That isn't the answer. Okay. So the customer has gone up. They have asked for what they think they wanted. But the disney guys are trained so well to understand what it is they really need even when they don't know it for themselves so if you come up and say excuse me what time is the three o'clock parade they'll say look if you walk 100 meters down the main street you're going to pass an ice cream vendor if you fancy a treat there's also a water fountain there too if you feel like you need a drink at the end of that street there is a nice grassy hill that's got a tree on top of it if you're standing under that tree in the shade at around three o'clock you're going to get a great view of mickey and all of his friends they yeah. give the customer what it is they really need, even though the customer doesn't know that's what they need. They understand yeah. that what the customer wants isn't what they need. It's, just, it's the thing, the, the Henry Ford thing. If I would have asked my customers what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. It's the same yeah. with the iPhone. No amount of focus groups, no amount of surveys, no amount of research of asking customers what they want would have ended up with the iPhone. It just wouldn't have happened the problem was that's what nokia were doing at the time nokia were going out there saying hey customers what do you want from a new phone and they're going well we want more buttons and then some people going yeah, but we actually want less buttons you know yeah but we want that touch screen and we want a stylus and we want a qwerty keyboard and so they made the nokia n97 that was like a proper frankenstein of a phone that had the touch yeah. screen and you slid it out and you had the full thing and it had a, and it kept breaking because it had all this stuff in it and then they go to the customer saying that, "Hey, we made this abomination of a phone that you asked for." And they went, well, "Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, we did say we wanted that." But if you're not seeing what Apple have done, it's it's understanding yeah. that your customers have successful outcomes, and what they need is linked to that. Just going and asking them what they want isn't going to help you get to that place. So, what's the first step that an organization could do to to, to move along that
1: journey? So, you said before that that you deliver training and build capability. So, how how can Organisations open their people's eyes to to starting that journey, to to asking the right questions, to getting the right answers, to giving the customers what they actually need, as opposed to what they perceive they want.
2: Well, I mean, it's quite easy. You just engage me on a seven-year. Um, yeah. No, joke. You can yeah. you can do this stuff by yourself. Um, first thing is talk to your customers. It's that easy. Just don't ask them what they want. That's like the one thing that you're not allowed to ask or any f- pe- people. People say, James, I found, found a loophole. I spoke to my customers. I didn't ask them what they wanted. I asked them what they needed. No, it doesn't work like that. Right? Yeah. It's just it's just another veiled way of asking. Look, we as customers are really crap at articulating what it is we really need. We can say what we want. And if you're going to go out there and you're going to do any research to find out what your customers want, I'll save you a bunch of money. They want three things. They want more, and they want it faster, and they want it cheaper. That's it. That's, that's basically what everybody wants. So that's what they want. That's not helpful. Yeah. We know that. So many times people go, yeah, we did these customer surveys, and it turns out, yeah, price is a big issue, and you know, delivery times is a big issue. And I'm like, well, yes, you already know that stuff. you just wasted everyone's time. You need to be talking to your customers in such a way that you understand them to such a deep level that you know what they need, even when they don't need it for themselves, um, know it for themselves. I've made that mistake twice now. It's been a long day, and it's really hot, man. Yeah. <laughs> but, the, <laughs> but the thing is, it's not just not just standard um, talking to your customers. It's like when I talk to, to customers on behalf of companies, I ask weird questions. Like I'll ask this question of you now: If you were a country other than Britain, what would you be and why?
1: You've you've actually asked me that question, haven't you? Mm. Um, just then, well, we, yeah, no, yeah, it's, it's good that it's light. It's uh, it's recorded this as well, isn't it? I can't edit this back. <laughs> What would I be and why? I would be, I would be, I would be um, Sweden. Okay, you'd be Sweden. Why? Yeah, because of my uh, long blonde locks and re- and relaxed nature. I lied about one of those two things. Anything else? Not at the minute. No. So uh, 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 relaxed nature, long long blonde locks. I think that the the way of the way of life. They're, uh, they're quite relaxed. They're quite friendly so that's what I would cool. you're making you're making notes as well here, aren't you who forgets <laughs> <It's,
2: laughs> no, so just from that question alone i understand about you that you, you're quite good-humored you'll poke fun at yourself um you like a relaxed environment um you like a friendly environment that's that's stuff you can't really get from just saying hey customer Tell me about things you like. And there's all sorts of yeah. questions like that. You can come up with all sorts. You can do the standard, if you were an animal, what would you be and why? If you were a drink, what would you be and why? And I ask that question all the time. If you were a drink, what would you be and why? Personally, I would be vodka because I am simple. I am transparent. I am fast acting. There you go. Um, yeah. in some... and av- available in many flavors? No, I'm just normal every day. Right, okay. Yeah. Every day yeah. brand. Cheap, yeah. cheap vodka. <laughs> <laughs> like the one that's got like a weird name that you can't really pronounce that you can only buy yep. in the corner shops that you can't buy because it's not really legal because it's probably just ethanol got yeah I'm, ends I'm in on yeah man yeah but then I'm good... and you you come up with stuff like that and you go around the room and people go i'm an espresso because i'm strong and bold and then people go like all all this stuff and then someone will go i'm a glass of water and you go oh, god yeah you are you're right <laughs> but, but then but then they have like, because I'm refreshing and, the, and you go, okay, right, because cool. it's not the answer. The answer means nothing. It's the why. It's why yeah. they've come up with that. It's how they explain themselves. And it's, it's just trying to find interesting ways to pull this information out of customers to get them to talk about themselves in ways that they otherwise probably wouldn't have done. Yeah, so there's
1: multiple different ways to talk to customers. Um, I, re- I receive email surveys all the time. People follow me up and, and ask me questions. People stop me in the street and ask me questions. What's the most effective way to understand what customers need?
2: I mean, look, it depends. It depends on the type of customers that you got. Personally, I'd say face to face in a room, actually with somebody, is the best way to do it. So that's not yeah. always possible, man. Like when you, I think like online surveys are a bit too impersonal you can't really get that in depth and I don't I don't know how many people would feel comfortable answering a question like that on an email survey I don't yeah I don't think that's great but you can do it you know over the phone you can do it over Skype or Zoom or whatever but just getting people in the room is is a great way to start doing this
1: and if you're a massive business and and somebody said get people in a room what's what's the right number of people to get in the room to have a, a representative sample
2: there's there's probably a scientific answer to that but i don't i don't i don't know mm. don't know just a lot as many as you can uh, you can yeah, no, yeah. many. if you can do all of them that's great yeah.
1: yeah
2: and then anything less than that is slightly less great until you get to a point where you're like we yeah you've spoken to three people that's not not really gonna help yeah dude so. if, if you can't do that right i mean this this is a little hack Talking to your customer service people is a great way to do it because they know your customers. Okay, they yeah. know them. They talk to them every single day. Whether if you're in a retail business, talk to the people that are serving them. If you're in a call center, talk to the people talking to them. Talk to the people that actually interact with your customers on a day-to-day basis. They know them better than anyone else in the business.
1: Yeah, got you. Got you. No, great, great idea. And I'm I'm conscious. So this this is a video call. Do you, do you pluck your eyebrows? I've never
2: I've never stirred at you for as, as long as I have done. And so. You know what? I take a razor to the middle of it every now and again. People always ask me this. I mean, not usually on podcast things. That people don't know no. But I've, I've got her, I've got her envy. I think
1: uh, I think that's what it is. So I, I, I notice these things.
2: The, the thing is about my eyebrows. I've got scars on my eyebrows, and I think it's kept them quite well shaped, which is weird. But um, yeah, I do have quite quite a shapely brow. People who No you. Do.
1: You do that's another another little hack there, isn't it? Really, if uh, if people want shapely eyebrows, I uh, get a scar above them. It's uh...
2: yeah, it just stops hair growing there because there's scars. There. You can you can't really see them, but I oh, just lived an interesting life in them, and that's
1: <laughs> Yeah, no, you have, yeah, no, very good, very good. No, I I went a little bit a little bit random. Um, what's the worst
2: advice you've ever been given? Pluck your eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, what's weirdly a... enough, every time I go to the barbers, they're like, "Oh, do you want me to sort your eyebrows out?" I'm like, "Whoa, whoa, wee, whoa." What yeah what's wrong with them they're like oh they're a bit they're a bit bushy I'm like you know what that's a sign of having a strong brow is a sign of masculinity thank you so have you used that quote in one of your books no nah, but I will now that's gonna be yeah, my, so... my next book but yeah I like weirdly though probably some of the worst advice I ever got was about it was about my very first book so I'd written it all up so proud of it finally got it into the template and it was like ninety pages long I'm like what I had at least a thousand pages and I went to <laughs> went to one of the guys that was like helping mentor me with what like, I was like, dude, I've got 90 pages, man, he's like, well, you need to put some more stuff in. And I sat there and I'm like, uh. you're wrong. Actually. I don't need to put more stuff in. I'd put in everything that needed to be in there. Um, yeah. So luckily, I didn't follow that advice. It was bad advice, but yeah, I mean, and that's—I mean—so I've got four and a half books now because one's co-authored, so it's half a book. All are very short, and two are bestsellers on on Amazon. Not not like New York Times, but but you know what I mean. That's um yeah. I think I think I accidentally stumbled across a good way of doing that by not taking that advice.
1: Yeah. No. Completely. No. That's great. That's great. Bad advice. Thanks. Thanks. For that. Um, uh, no, you're, you're very welcome. Um, before before I, I hit record on, uh, on on all of these things that I'm recording you on at the minute, um, you mentioned that, uh, that what did I like wrestling? When I asked you the question, is there anything you don't want to ask? And you said no, but if I do, if I do this, and and then we started talking about wrestling. Um, you said you'd uh, you've been in two wrestling matches. Is, is that where you got the scars? <laughs> no, actually.
2: Um, right. <laughs> well, two two wrestling events. So I'll, I'll tell you what happened basically i saw an advert on facebook saying hey come and learn how to be a professional wrestler and i was like why not why why would i not do that i love wrestling i grew up watching wrestling um it's one of the things that actually got me into heavy music because if you you listen to the 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 entrance music of the old school wrestlers a lot of it was quite heavy heavy metal music it really got i was like yeah man mm, mm, mm." so it got me into the heavy stuff and i was like you know what why not now I'm the sort of person that likes collecting experiences. I love to just try stuff, just go and do things. I've done yoga for a little while, just because I wanted yes. to see what it was like. Pretty boring. I, okay. Yeah, there you go. Um, but, so I, I like <sighs> collecting experiences. So I thought, this is, this is going to be an experience that I will go and collect. Um. And so I went along. I did the thing. I had a bit of a natural talent for it. See, I'm pretty big, you see. That's the You can't tell from... This, no. but a bit big, like six foot burgers. Yep. So, <laughs> there was, there was a dude there and he was like, you're pretty big. I'm like, man, kind of. Um, and he's like, do you want to, do you want to be a third member of my tag team? I was like, dude, I've been to like two, two lessons. Why? He's like, no, nah, just you stand on the outside and basically just shout things at people in the crowd. I was like, I can do that. So yeah, I, I got. Added to a, th- as a third member to a tag team on a sh- Amazing. Yep. I came out, I shouted things at little kids. And then I, I had certain things to do. There was one thing where I had to get kicked in the face. Did really well. And uh, one thing where I had to get jumped on by somebody. I got jumped. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing was one bit where I had to like fall down and I was like right by the th- front row. And of course, it's not like a proper thing. There's no like barriers or anything. And all these kids started kicking me in the ribs on the floor because I was a bad guy. That wasn't very yeah. good. You're not allowed to hit them back or anything. So, oh. and then the, the second time was I was actually an announcer for one of the shows. Brilliant. <clears throat> Making his way to the ring, weighing in at six hundred and thirty pounds, Lee. There
1: you go. Hey, very good. Hey, no, that was really impressive. Thank you, you. You may have missed your calling.
2: You know what, man? I was thinking, what if there's somebody in the crowd that goes in the thirty people in the room? <laughs> that goes- yeah voice of gold let's get, yeah. him on. let's get him on the old uh, tv but um yeah i had fun doing it it was a great time um yeah probably not going to do it again because i've done it now it's not you have and so you, we spoke about your merchandise
1: earlier on do you have rockstar lycra
2: Nah, man That's is that is that weird yeah
1: okay i'll move on um <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so customer experience as you said is is relatively relatively new in terms of a um
2: um what word did you use discipline
1: discipline yeah thank you
2: Because Uh, relative customer experience has been around for forever and since there has been customers there have been customer experiences a lot of people say oh james we need to start doing customer experience mate you've already been doing customer experience the fact you've just said that probably just means it's crap yeah (laughs) it's it's not it's not that it hasn't been around it's just that nobody's been taking it seriously it's not been a discipline it's not been something that's had budget attached it's not something that's had focus it's not something that have had departments or job titles around it but in the past what 10 15 years max it's it's been coming into the what coming into the world no coming into the fray i don't know becoming a thing yeah customer experience is becoming
1: a thing yeah so another little uh, discipline of yeah i see what you did there. um yeah the discipline of customer experience is 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 becoming a thing it's coming um and so people have got job titles it's people are recognizing it as the the next or a differentiator um what's next for customer experience what are people not doing that they
2: should be doing mate a lot of people aren't doing the basics right it's yeah so, a lot, there's some people out there that need to get that stuff right. But th- there are a couple of things that people can be doing. If, uh, look, if you're already delivering pretty solid customer experience, pretty good consistently, there are some next level things you can you can start to do. One of them is called Proactive Experience Recovery, PXR, trademarked. It's not, but oh, Christ, I shouldn't have said that. Someone's going to go and trademark it now. Anyway, PXR. And, yeah. right, to explain this, I'll tell you a story. About a time that I really um, uh, screwed up one of our gigs. Well, almost. Right. So. (laughs) It's a strong start. Yeah. We were about to go off on our first big UK tour. Uh, We just released our first album. And I really wanted to sort of step up my stage show. So I decided I wanted to learn how to spin my guitar. Okay. So I can't really demonstrate here, but it's when you throw your guitar over your shoulder and the strap, sort of the momentum, it sort of spins it back around and you catch it and you carry on playing. You just look like a badass. So oh, wow. I didn't want to learn how to do that. So yeah. the, the entire month leading up to the the show, I took myself into the back garden, surrounded myself with pillows and mattresses and started trying to learn how to spin my guitar. And there's a trick. Do you want to know the trick? Yeah. Of course, yeah. Of course yeah. everyone wants to know. The yeah. trick. I mean, yeah. Luckily, it's the next part of the story, so there you go um you just got to commit and throw it really hard it's all you got to do man commit throw it really hard the momentum does the rest so i figured out how to do it and i was like right where am i going to put this in our set and i figured out that we had our most popular song at the end as you do and there was a yeah. part in that song where it went kind of quiet before it went like really super heavy metal so i'm gonna do it there so get in the practice room Duh, tss, 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 spin Dugga, diga, 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 diga. amazing the lads loved it they went wild great so I was like right I'm gonna do this on tour first night I'm out there I'm excited Duh, tss, spin digga, digga 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 the crowd loved it they went wild it was wicked really good work well all the way through the tour got to the last date. hometown show biggest show in the entire tour Duh, tss, spin <gasps> what had happened was I practiced so much that the leather had worn from my strap and instead of spinning my guitar, I just threw my guitar really hard, remember that bit from before, yeah. into a wall. Ah. So I had a decision to make. Do I run off stage crying, which was actually quite tempting, or do I fix the experience in the experience? So within a split second, I ran forward and dived majestically like a swan into the crowd. They caught me. Thank God. Um, And I got crowd surfed into the mosh pit. Do you know what a mosh pit is? Yeah. You ever, yeah. Been, you ever been in a mosh pit? No. Maybe one day, man.
1: Maybe yeah, uh, I'll I'll, jo- I'll join you in one. D- that yeah, man. I'll take
2: I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll t- you. Mate. We'll go go to a show, push you in the mosh pit. <laughs> So for, for people watching slash listening, wh- whichever format you're absorbing this in, if you don't know what a mosh pit is, probably the best way to describe it is when your music is so beautiful and when your music is so melodic that it compels the audience to transcend to a higher realm. Wow. A realm where they are overcome with the intense desire to punch their friends in the face. That's a mosh pit. So I got in the mush pit, had a great time. And <laughs> the crowd went even more wild than the yeah. days that I didn't throw my guitar into a wall. I still get told to this day that people, um, that was the favourite gig of ours that they ever went to. As far as they were concerned, I became overwhelmed with heavy metal passion through my guitar and dived into the crowd. But of course we know what really happened. Now, as an aside, the, the deal with this is empowerment. It's all about empowerment. man. I didn't need to ask our manager to phone the record label to see if I had permission to jump into the crowd. I knew the outcome yeah. that needed to be achieved and I knew that the, the experience needed to be fixed in the experience. So I took action in the moment. Now we need to think more like this in the business world. And the best sort of analogy I've got for this is about beer. So if you imagine that you're in a bar, and there's a dude there with four beers, and you bump into them and spill the beers. There's four ways in which you can go about reacting to that situation. Okay, so number one, you go uh, and you run away. Yeah. All right. Now, nine times out of ten, they're not even going to come and say anything, and you're in the corner going, ha, 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 "I got away with it." Problem is, that dude's now telling everyone else in the bar what a jerk you are. All right. Number yeah. two, you go uh, and you run away. They do come after you. You tap me on the shoulder, and you turn around and go. <clears throat> Actually, when you entered the bar, you agreed to a set of terms and conditions whereby if the bar was over an 80% occupancy, beer spillage was a possibility. And in any fact, you were carrying over the recommended load limit of beers. Therefore, any drink replacement liability falls on your shoulders. Thank you. Bye. Now he really thinks you're a jerk. Might threaten to punch you in the face. Then... Number three, after he's threatened to punch you in the face, you go, I was yeah. <laughs> obviously only joking, obviously. <laughs> yeah, no, of, course, of course, I'll replace the beers. Still think you're a jerk because he had to ask you to do it. Or well, number four, the way we would most likely act in real life, but least likely act in the business world, is we would immediately turn around, we would apologise, and offer to replace the beers without them having to ask. Yeah. How often does that happen in business? Basically, bloody Never. So there's a a four-step framework that you can start to think about in your business um, to help you operate in this way. And it's identify, monitor, communicate, compensate. I'll explain them. First thing, identify the things in your experiences that cause dissatisfaction. You've probably already got this data. If you look at your complaints data, you've probably already got this data. Then, once you know the things that cause dissatisfaction, monitor the experience in the experience so that you can notice when these things happen. Once you notice something has happened, communicate to the customer. Don't wait for the complaint. Communicate to the customer that you know something has gone wrong and that you're on it, you're gonna get it fixed, and compensate, put it right. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily have to be a monetary compensation, but some sort of gesture goes a long way towards changing how a customer feels about a particular situation.
1: Yeah, just well, I you were going through those things, I didn't realize you had so many different voices as well. You're a man of many talents. I am, yeah. I have multiple voices. Well, yeah. three, maybe three. Yeah, no, that was that was very good. You've got and so far you've done all three. you you're real. I think this is your real one. Your uh, don't even know anymore. Yeah, you're dissatisfied. The lines of jerk. Yeah, your jerk customer one, um, and then you've got your uh, announcer one. Oh yeah, actually, yeah, I forgot about that one. So maybe yeah, do have- I don't know. Yeah, well, it's, you got to do it, man. You got to. Maybe we should have when I introduced you, and, and I don't want to rewind the time. Maybe I should have said, uh, "What do you not do, James?" Don't listen to Abba. Don't eat olives. Oh, do you not? Do you not think olives are an age thing? So maybe, maybe you're just too young to like olives because I think olives are ageist. Um, I don't think I've ever said this on a podcast before, but I, I hit a certain age and I didn't like them, and then I did like them, uh, like the day later. Depends. So how, I old, think, how old do you think I
2: am? Uh,
1: well, I think I think your eyebrows are deceiving. So I think your brother's have You uh... have deceptive eyebrows. People always say it to me. Yeah, okay. So, um, t- 38, 39? No, nope, you're wrong. Oh, go on. No, I'm not going to tell I'm just telling you that you're wrong. Oh, come on. Well, I've oh, got a question on the podcast. How old are you, James?
2: I'm 31. Are you really? I am, man. I, j- I just had a hard life, actually. Bloody hell, yeah. Maybe maybe you should let those eyebrows grow. Maybe I shouldn't. Well, you know what? It was, I was really annoyed before. There was this thing, like, like... It was like a thirty under thirty customer experience people, and I wasn't on it. And I was like, it's, "I think what it is is because I am an experienced collector. I, I've done lots of yeah. things." Because yeah, 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 you must have been in the rock band, younger than McFly.
1: Do you know what yeah, I mean? No,
2: seriously, I released my first album when I was seventeen. Wow. So I was I was touring from that age. So that that's why the business world is quite difficult to adjust to. You got to think, man. Like as a seventeen-year-old kid touring around, basically doing whatever you wanted, then going yeah. into a corporate world and being. Sat at a desk, being timed how much time you take to go for a wee, or how much time you take after a call. Like, imagine yeah. that shock, man! It was a big shock, and it was I didn't like it. No, I can I can imagine. I can imagine.
1: So, what's next for you? Not not tonight. Obviously, it's, it's, you're gonna have your tea. What are you having for your tea? I
2: don't know steak. I think I think I got a steak. Oh well, you eat steak. Wasp, i, oh, eat I wasp, I've got, I've got yeah playing. wasp. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but what what
1: after tonight? What is what is next for you? Um. The CX Rockstar. What's where are you? Where are you bunch, taking it? What
2: got a bunch of keynotes coming up all over the place. I can't remember in which order. Um, got a bunch of those coming up all over the world. Um, I'm actually working on a training, uh, an online training at the moment, which actually I've not told anyone about yet. So I'll tell you about it. It's oh yeah, go on. Yeah, it's about that PXR stuff. So that kind of fits in really well. So soon I will be um, releasing some online training, basically how you can implement that PXR idea in your organization how you can start understand the the types of experiences you want to be looking at understand how to look at the data to understand which are the biggest opportunities and then sort of the, the thought experiments and the questions you need to ask yourself to get to the point where you're systemizing this way of, you know, not waiting for the complaint, how to fix the experience in the experience.
1: Oh, amazing. Is, is, is it a modular? Is it a modular online course? Is it a subscription? How does
2: that yeah, gonna it'll work? It'll be like a one-time payment thing. Four modules, intro, what it is, why it's good, how to do it. Yep, brilliant. Good stuff. And then what, what else?
1: What else are you on with? Keynotes, online training, uh, anything else? I'd have to bring up my... I did mention earlier I'm quite a forgetful person. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, different, different question then. How do people find out
2: about you? and what you're doing and and where you are so various social medias linkedin's my big one so if you search for james dodkins on linkedin there are some others they're not as good as me though so that's fine there's like three of us in the world i think it's pretty unique name you'll know me because it's got a picture of me playing guitar and my thing is a customer experience rock star so you'll know that's me um you could go to jamesdodkins.com. There's videos from my keynotes there, my musical yep. keynotes. Um, get me on Instagram. I started doing the Instagram thing, man. How's that
1: working? No, it's fine, it's great. I, I, don't, I don't get it, it's just picture. I, I don't, I'm not really.
2: So, I, I think I'm, because I'm, technically I'm a, I'm a millennial, but I'm the sort of millennial that grew up a portion without the internet. And then we just got the internet given to us and we're like, whoa, what do we do with this? And we saw some weird stuff that i'm in that region um yeah. but so i don't like my band were big on MySpace. That that's wow. that wow show, yeah. that shows you how how long ago that was but um yeah so facebook i got facebook in the end i'm like yeah man this is not for the business world i've got like a 100 followers on my facebook page It's awful and literally no engagement whatsoever i think like yeah. three people liked something i post earlier i mean don't get me yeah. thanks guys but
1: yeah
2: pretty useless whereas like on linkedin i'm i'm close to something like 17000 followers on linkedin now so linkedin's the place where i'm playing i'm trying to get into the instagram thing for more like behind the scenes stuff so of course like travelling around the world doing the music stuff people want to see stuff about that but it's not really appropriate yeah. for linkedin so that's at the cx rockstar um i've nearly got 300 followers so whoa watch out world Twitter's dumb. I don't like Twitter. It's just a bunch of people talking to themselves. Yeah. Yep. Like I've got around 2,000 odd followers on Twitter. Nobody ever does anything on there. Like I'm getting more engagement on Instagram with 300 followers than I am on Twitter with 2,000. I don't like Twitter. If you're listening to Twitter, don't don't like you. You probably don't care, but that's just telling you.
1: Yeah, you've got it out there now. you said that.
2: Yeah, so there you go. There's, <laughs> there's all sorts of social places you can get. I've got a YouTube channel. It's got some videos yep. on there. Um Yeah, but the best place, just go to my website, JamesDodkins.com. You can see about my talking, you can see about other things that I do. Um
1: yeah. Yeah, and that and that's the place to find this online training at the point in time when it's ready for for, uh, for release. Probably, yeah. Is that yeah, hey, very good. Very good. You've got that nailed. Um, good stuff. Um so I'm conscious of the time. You're a you're a busy boy, you've got steak to eat, wasps to sweep. Um, and, and, and all of that stuff. Um, thank you very much for your time. It's been amazing, and I hopefully we'll get to uh, to share a mosh, mosh pit with you, soon um, soonish, perhaps. I, I, am I am I too old for a mosh pit? You're never too old for. A, I mean, you might be too old to survive one. Oh, well, there we go. We'll put that to the test, and uh, we'll we'll see how that goes. But no, seriously, thanks very much for your time. Have an amazing um, uh, week, and we'll uh, we'll speak soon. Cheers, James. Thank you.